The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 597 for November 19th, 2017. Qualcomm rejects Broadcom's acquisition offer, blocking of robocalls is coming soon, and the CDMA era is coming to an end at Verizon. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, first in the news, Qualcomm's board of directors on Monday unanimously rejected Broadcom's November 6th offer to buy the company in a deal that would have been valued at approximately $130 billion. The proposal, they say, is not in the best interest of shareholders and dramatically undervalues Qualcomm. And Broadcom has not yet publicly responded, though, to this decision and whether or not it will be increasing its unsolicited offer. But not surprising that, uh, obviously, from an un, uh, you know un- unwanted offer that comes through that the company uh, that would be purchased rejects it. But we will see here as uh, what happens to this. Obviously, a very, very big deal if it were to ever happen. Intel on Thursday announcing a range of 5G modems for mobile devices that rely on various technologies to handle the transition from 4G to 5G. The XMM8000 series will handle multi-mode operations on 600 megahertz and millimeter wave bands around the globe and will be ideal for PCs, phones, and fixed wireless equipment. The XMM8060 will focus on 5G new radio, though it can be backwards compatible with the legacy 2, 3, and 4G networks. Intel expects the modem to ship by the middle of 2019. Finally, Finally, the XMM7660 is a Cat19 LTE modem that can handle 1.6 gigabit speeds with MIMO, carrier aggregation, and broad spectrum support. This chip will ship as well in mid-2019. Intel believes this portfolio of chips will help it remain competitive as wireless technology advances. In legal news, New York law enforcement agencies will need to go before a judge to obtain an eavesdropping warrant if they wish to use stingrays for the process of tracking a suspect's cell phone. Stingrays appear to cellular devices as a cell tower and subsequently connect into them. Police use them in cars and airplanes, scanning entire neighborhoods, seeking the phone of a single suspect. The issue is that stingrays are imprecise and sweep up location, call, and messaging data from every cell phone in the vicinity. Uh, The use of a cell site simulator intrudes upon an individual's reasonable expectation of privacy, according this according to a Brooklyn judge overseeing this case. There was a similar ruling that was made in the District of Columbia earlier this year, and advocacies, advocates, that is, of privacy around the country are pushing back against the use of stingrays. According to the New York Civil Liberties Union, the New York Police Department used stingrays in more than 1,000 cases between 2008 and 2015, though generally only for the most serious offenses. This ruling uh, will set the tone for cases involving the use of stingrays throughout New York. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, back uh, with just regular landline phones and even still with landline phones, they need to get warrants and they need to have, you know, uh, you know, judge review these things before they can put a wiretap in. And then that has to be reviewed and recorded and none of it's real time. It's all done w- way after the fact, whereas a stingray can tell you where something is right there, right now. Uh, and then, of course, it catches everybody there. And what the, you know, kind of the, the, the problem is, yes, it catches everybody that's, in that area or the vicinity of the the of the stingray, but then that data, what's happening with that data? So that data can be stored, held onto, and then cross-referenced at a later point. None of this with with a warrant. So that's where the privacy issue is coming into play here, because 
you know, this may be used against you years later. Who knows how long they keep this stuff? Uh, you know, they may place you at the, you know, some something happened and they placed you at the scene because you're in the neighborhood. Uh, and, and that is, you know, what happens. But but normally without a warrant, that wouldn't be possible. And all of that information uh, certainly is in the hands of the wrong person. Um, you know, a, a very serious issue. Uh, generally, these are being used by law enforcement agencies and agencies uh, only that are able to procure them. However, uh, there, of course, is a black market for everything. And so someone conceivably could get one of these things and use it. Uh, but uh, hopefully this uh, this ruling will get uh, will, I'll say get some more backing from other you know municipalities and states around the country. And then we'll start to see some kind of national standards for how these things get used. Right. And, and that's a great point because there is no standard at all. It is literally varying by, you know, vicinity, district, region, by state, by federal, that it's all over the place. And and judges' rulings are all contradictory, and it is it is really a mess right now. Yeah, and again, it's like anything else where you've got one state talking about it. It's a matter of you know additional you know whether you get get rulings that happen across uh, you know a, a certain region, or then ultimately federal uh, decisions make the most sense because then they can be applied anywhere in the country. But uh, either way, very interesting to see this uh, happening in New York, and we'll be watching it, of course, to see what happens elsewhere. Phone companies are now authorized to be more aggressive in blocking robocalls before they reach customers' landlines and mobile phones, but you might have to pay for the new capabilities. The FCC this week issued an order to authorize voice service providers to block robocalls that appear to be from telephone numbers that can uh, or that do not or cannot make outgoing calls. Uh, all of this uh, without uh, contradicting the call completion rules set by the FCC. They say carriers will have greater capabilities to block calls when the caller ID has been spoofed or the number is invalid. Caller ID spoofing hides the caller's true identity and is one of the biggest sources of illegal robocalls. The new authorization from the FCC applies to voice service providers, including mobile phone carriers, traditional landline phone companies like AT&T and Verizon, and voice over IP carriers such as cable companies. Carriers will be allowed to block calls uh, purporting to be from invalid numbers, like those with area codes that don't exist and from numbers that have not been assigned to the provider or numbers allocated to a provider but not currently in use. Uh, carriers will also be able to block calls from phone numbers that appear to be from numbers placed on a do not originate list by the numbers by the number subscriber. Uh, for example, the Internal Revenue Service might place numbers uh, that it doesn't use for outbound calls on the do not originate list to prevent them from being spoofed by scammers who claim to work on behalf of the IRS. So a lot of uh, different things that could happen here. Uh, ultimately, this is great news, you know, for those of us who spend a lot of our, you know, spend the time to block a lot of the calls that come in that are uh, from services uh, that are, or numbers that don't appear to be legitimate. Uh, and ultimately, I think this is going to be very helpful in this regard to kind of continue this fight against uh, scammers. Yeah, robocalls and scammers are just obnoxious. I still see numerous calls uh, in a week that originate from the, the the same area code and prefix of my cell number. So I know just not to answer it because then the last four digits are different, but they're obviously trying to make it look like the number's familiar uh, to me. Uh, in this market, it was actually, you know, a, a, a sprint number is what it was originally, and uh, that's it looks like a sprint number, but I know it's not. Yeah, and the interesting thing that uh, I've also noticed is that I get these calls that come into my Google Voice number or numbers, and those 
clearly are not people that I know. It's one thing if you happen to have, you know, maybe have a phone number and you are got a cell phone in an area and, you know, you could potentially figure out legitimately like this could make sense. But when I've got a Google voice number in an area that I don't live in, not even close to, you know, you, you clearly know that it's from somebody that y- you don't care to talk to. And one thing, uh, you know, Google does block uh, spam calls and text messages, but make sure you have that turned on on your iPhone. I saw that today, uh, a new setting that I do not remember seeing before in the, the Google Voice app on the, the phone to block phone call, uh, you know, block spam, spoofing, you know, junk phone calls and text messages. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. There's there's so many different things that you can you can do to kind of protect yourself from this stuff, but at the same time, it's uh, it's ultimately you know it, it's impossible to catch every call that's coming through. Right, it's always a cat and mouse game. I mean, they'll do this thing where they they make the a do not originate list, or you have to have a valid number. Then they'll just go through and find valid numbers and use them. I mean, it's really just uh, you know always cat and mouse. Yeah, indeed it is. And uh, just verifying here for myself, filter spam is turned on. It filters out calls, messages, and voicemail. So, uh, yes, go check that out if you're using Google Voice. Uh, well, AT&T and Verizon have both contracted with Tillman Infrastructure to build hundreds of small cell towers around the country. Tillman already builds, owns, and operates towers uh, and small cells and will build new infrastructure for the carriers on co-anchored towers. According to Verizon, the new cell towers will be added in areas where uh, others don't already exist and will give AT&T and Verizon the opportunity to move equipment from older and expensive towers onto the newer, cheaper ones. Tillman is expected to begin work on the new towers as soon as the first quarter. AT&T and Verizon engineers will install networking equipment and turn the sites on as quickly as they can. Tillman will have the opportunity to build hundreds of more sites if the initial batch uh, is completed successfully. Neither AT&T or Verizon said which network technologies would be installed on the towers. Well, the CDMA era at Verizon is coming to an end, but not very soon, just sort of soon. But that still doesn't mean you won't be able to bring your new phone to the carrier's network anytime soon. Verizon's LTE network may be technically compatible with many unapproved phones, but the carrier will continue to refuse to provision those devices if it hasn't tested and certified them. This means open market phones that have not received Verizon's blessing still won't work on the network. Verizon said customers tend to blame Verizon if their device fails rather than going to their manufacturer. And that's the difference between the U.S. and countries where unlocked phones are more common. Verizon does network compatibility testing on all phones that it sells. It's a multi-step process involving labs, drivers, uh, roaming testing, and friendly users out in the real world. And it takes three to four weeks per device. Only then is a Verizon SIM allowed to turn that phone into a functioning device. Uh, This also explains why software updates, including Android OS updates, may take longer to appear on Verizon devices than on other carriers. In 2017 so far, Verizon has seen more than 1,400 testing submissions, including 48 new retail devices and 407 different software updates and 402 open development or IoT devices. These resulted in 200 network critical failures that had to be fixed, according to the site slide uh, that was shown at an event this week. And uh, if the devices are never tested, they, of course, will not work as well, Verizon says. You may be able to make calls, but you won't get the same experience that you've come to expect from Verizon. The company has already started to move away from CDMA in stages and uh, has said that 2020 is when they'll be turning off that legacy network. Verizon is shifting spectrum from CDMA over to LTE, which users uh, will likely not notice because the number of CDMA devices has declined substantially over the last few years. 
And regarding the improvement of voice services, the company also commented on that this week, and they say they now allow higher quality voice over LTE calls to occur between Verizon and AT&T subscribers with no reduction in quality. They say if you're a Verizon customer with voice over LTE and an AT&T customer is on the other end with voice over LTE, it will go directly between them and will not downconvert. They have similar programs uh, with other carriers that they're working on, but no word on target dates when this interoperability with both Sprint and T-Mobile possibly might begin. Yeah, so we've had that uh, AT&T high-quality voice, HD voice thing for quite some time now. It's been numerous months, uh, maybe even six months, that I've I've actually heard phone calls uh, work between AT&T, but uh, still not T-Mobile yet, which is kind of unfortunate, and, and or Sprint. Yeah, and I think, that as they say, they're working on these deals. We don't know when, but hopefully they will come soon. It is very nice to talk to somebody uh, on uh, the, the higher quality phone calls. It's a, a much better experience. Uh, in Sprint news, Sprint and Hulu this week announcing that Sprint customers will enjoy access to Hulu's content for free. New and existing Sprint Unlimited Freedom subscribers can add Hulu at no extra charge. Hulu has three service tiers, streaming with limited commercials for $8 a month, streaming with no commercials for $12 a month, and streaming with live TV for $40 per month. The Sprint promotion applies to Hulu's entry-level limited commercials plan. Sprint and Hulu hope to offer an upgrade option for Hulu's sports and news-focused live TV plan in the near future, but potential pricing was not revealed. Sprint's unlimited freedom customers can stream HD content over the network, though only some of Hulu's content is available in HD. Sprint says customers can sign up for free access to Hulu starting November 17th. The move by Sprint and Hulu mirrors a similar uh, marriage between T-Mobile and Netflix. Speaking of, T-Mobile Thursday said it will deploy 5G across much of the country within a few years using its low-band 600 megahertz spectrum. The news, which is expected, uh, came with an announcement. They said, we are committed to drive a 5G rollout by 2020 across the nation. Uh, though that doesn't mean T-Mobile will be ignoring high band spectrum uh, with its deployment on 600 megahertz. Competitors AT&T and Verizon are also p- pursuing these different uh, deployments. And they say there's been a lot of discussion of millimeter wave uh, and that kind of surgical tactical deployment of 5G. And he said they will be there too. Uh, but uh, the deployment on 600 megahertz uh, is the move into the next decade for them. All the carriers, of course, pushing to deploy 5G technologies as soon as possible, even though a standard has yet to be defined. T-Mobile, of course, did not say which markets might see potential 5G service first. T-Mobile also this week revealing a holiday promotion that people can use to get a free flagship smartphone. Customers who purchase one phone at full price can get a second for free through monthly rebates. Handsets that qualify for the promotion include the Galaxy S8, S8 Plus, Note 8, S8 Active, the LG G6, V20, V30, and V30 Plus. The first phone will need to be financed through an equipment installment plan. T-Mobile will then make the monthly payments on the second device over a 24-month period. T-Mobile said customers interested in the iPhone 10 can get up to $300 in rebates with an eligible trade-in, though there is no buy-one-get-one deal for the iPhone No word on how long the promotion will run. Finally, from T-Mobile, people who switch to the Metro PCS network and subscribe to an unlimited plan will also get a free year of Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime gives people access to discounted shipping as well as access to Amazon's music and video streaming services, online photo storage, and other perks. 
Amazon Prime typically carries a cost of $100 per year. In addition to Amazon Prime for free, Metro PCS will give those who switch a free Galaxy J7 Prime smartphone. The free phone also requires customers to subscribe to an unlimited plan. Metro PCS is offering four lines of unlimited service for $100. The J7 Prime has a 5.5-inch screen, a 1.5 gigahertz octa-core processor, 8-megapixel rear camera, 5-megapixel front camera, 16 gigs of storage, and a 3,300 milliamp-hour battery. That phone sells for $200. Metro PCS and Amazon Prime uh, with the free J7 Prime promo will only be available for a limited time. ROK Mobile has rolled out a new promotional rate that includes three months of unlimited service for $100. The offer is available to new customers only, and after three months, the plan reverts to the normal monthly rate of $45. Rock Mobile uh, is an MVNO that offers service from AT&T, Sprint, and Verizon, and the customer selects which carrier they want when they sign up for the service. This allows people to use their own device. Uh, The $99 promo is only available to new customers who choose service on Sprint and Verizon. Those who select Sprint will be eligible for a free ZTE Prestige smartphone. Rock Mobile started out as a music-focused MVNO, but has since transitioned to a more traditional MVNO. Service plans start at $20 and go up to $50 a month, depending on the data bucket. Rock Mobile also offers what it calls Life Plans. It's a series of services, including roadside assistance, accidental death and cremation insurance, family legal services, teenage uh, services, and ID theft insurance. These life services can also be added as extras to any of Rock Mobile service plans, and they range from $5 to $15 per month, depending on the package. In device news, the Revel Plus, made by CoolPad, is the latest smartphone to carry the T-Mobile brand. Uh, the big brother to the Revel offers uh, n- newer features at a lower price. The Revel Plus has a screen size of 6 inches with full HD resolution, a 2 gigahertz octa-core processor, 2 gigs of memory, 32 gigs of storage, dual cameras on the back, uh, and the uh, for a feature phone price, uh, the main sensor captures 13 megapixel HDR images and the front camera is 5 megapixel. Um, the Revel Plus includes a fingerprint sensor, LTE, expanded storage, and a 3300 and 80 milliamp hour battery. It's going on sale for only $200 uh, or $8 a month for 24 months with an $8 down payment. It will run Android 7.1 Nougat. Motorola and Polaroid on Wednesday announcing the InstaShare Printer, a Moto mod that lets people instantly print and share images captured with their Moto Z handset. The attachment includes its own dedicated camera button for snapping photos and then can print directly from the camera roll. Facebook, Instagram, and Google Photos are all available for printing as well through the services. The printer includes software for customizing photos with filters, borders, and text. It can spit out the prints that measure 2 inches by 3 inches. The ink is smudge-proof, and according to Polaroid, the adhesive-backed printer paper lets you stick the photos anywhere. The Polaroid InstaShare printer is available for $200 at Verizon stores and Motorola.com. Best Buy, B&H, Fry's, and Newegg will also start selling the phone, but only taking pre-orders for now. Uh, and uh, with uh, them, all those devices, having them devices in store by mid-December, the Polaroid InstaShare printer is compatible with the Z series of devices from Motorola, including the Moto Z2 Play and Moto Z2 Force. That sounds like a lot of fun to have those be able to print that out. That's really cool. But, of course, they didn't say how expensive the media is. And I'm sure it is probably a pretty penny and it's probably so overpriced nobody will actually buy it, which is disappointing because it does sound like fun. 
Yeah, I I was at a uh, at an event this summer with uh, someone who had one of the I'll just say the latest generation of Polaroid cameras. It's a little tiny thing, and it did you know just as you, you did with the old school ones, just print a you know print out a picture that uh, right as it was taken. Although this was done obviously digitally, uh, and so it makes sense that Motorola is capturing. Uh, this niche uh, crowd for one of its moto mods and for 200 bucks you're right it does sound like a lot of fun Um, and uh, these are obviously pictures that people love it's great to have a picture just come at you and you you think that digital uh, photography would have killed this but people still love to have that uh, nostalgia that old school just getting a picture right away in your hands it's kind of a cool thing to do OnePlus on Thursday announcing the OnePlus 5T. This is an update to its 2017 flagship that adopts a 2 by one aspect ratio for the display. The new OLED screen measures 6 inches from corner to corner. It's got a 2160 by 1080 pixel resolution. In order to accommodate the new display, OnePlus relocated the fingerprint reader on the rear of the phone. The device adds a facial recognition tool for security, and they say it takes only 0.4 seconds to recognize the owner's face and unlock it. Others than these changes, the 5T is similar in terms of design and specs to the OnePlus 5 from earlier this year. It's got a metal unibody design with a slim and rounded profile. The phone carries over the alert slider, USB-C port, 3.5mm headphone jack, and dual camera array from the OnePlus 5. The camera configuration is changed a bit. The main camera is the same 16-megapixel sensor as the 5, and the secondary relies on a 20-megapixel sensor. Rather than include a telephoto lens, the secondary camera adopts a better low-light technology. Both lenses share the same focal length of f1.7 aperture, the 5T is powered by a Qualcomm Snapdragon 835 processor, and the handset comes in two memory configurations, 6 gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of storage, and 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage. Other specs include a 3300 milliamp hour battery with dash charge, Bluetooth 5, NFC, GPS, Wi-Fi, and CAT12 LTE with 3X carrier aggregation, and support for 34 worldwide LTE bands. It runs Android 7 Nougat and the latest build of OnePlus's Oxygen OS UI on top. It will have access to Android 8 Oreo as a beta in December. Verizon and Asus this week announced the Zenfone 5 Live. The social media-focused handset includes real-time blemish removal. So the Zenfone uh, V or 5 Live uh, can be used to take advantage of the selfie camera's beautification options to soften complexions and remove blemishes when live streaming to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Uh, otherwise, the Zenfone uh, 5 Live is a mid-range handset with curved glass and a metal body design, 5-inch 720p HD display, Qualcomm Snapdragon 425 processor, 2 gigs of RAM, 16 gigs of storage, 13 megapixel camera with additional features, 3,000 milliamp hour battery, USB-C, micro SD memory card support. It is available for $168 or $7 per month for 24 months. In software news, Google announcing the broadcast feature on Google Home devices in English in the U.S., U.K., Australia, and Canada. What that means is people can now, with Google Home devices in their house, broadcast announcements or statements from their phone-based Google Assistant to their home device. So, as an example, parents can say, OK, Google, broadcast I'm on the way home to their assistant on their phone, and it will broadcast to the Google Home in their house for those to hear. So people need to be signed into the same Google Assistant account on all devices for this to work. Google first announced the broadcast feature earlier this year. Broadcast will become available in more languages and countries over time. That sounds really cool, but really weird too. I I, I don't know if I like that or not. I it, It's neat, that's for sure. 
You know, it is neat. And I think about, you know, the potential uses for this. You know, every night before I leave to come home, I send my wife a message and I say, I'm on the way. Uh, and I, I would say 50% of the time, uh, she will not have received the message by the time I got home because the phone is sitting somewhere on a counter or something like that. And uh, this is kind of a neat way to get around that, where if you had the assistant sitting in the middle of your kitchen, as an example, it would broadcast it. And it's probably where either one or multiple people in your family are. And so that could be kind of a fun way to do it. Uh, Completely uh, unnecessary, but yes, still fun nonetheless. I I thought about this at one point with uh, a baby monitor, like to be able to do this, just, you know, you could log in and, uh, you know, you talk into it and it would it would you know send it over but at the same time that's not really you know it's in the wrong room because it's in like the kids room and so you're not really able to use that so this is kind of an interesting feature uh and again more countries more languages uh will be getting the broadcast feature over time google on wednesday announcing a significant change to the appearance of google maps with an updated look uh, for driving navigation and transit maps the new look makes information more visible such as gas stations when driving or stations when on the train maps now relies on a new color scheme to define its legend and make it easier for people to differentiate between points of interest based on color alone so for example orange signifies food and drink green is for outdoor spaces and purple for roadside services google believes once people understand the color scheme they'll be able to spot what they want and or need quicker than with using Google Maps, uh, the, Google, the current Google Maps iteration. Google says this change will impact all versions of Maps, including both mobile and desktop, as well as other Google services that rely on Maps, such as Assistant, Search, Earth, and Android Auto. The changes will be rolled out over the next few weeks. And while we generally don't talk about beta updates, Apple has made iOS 11.2 Beta 3 available, and of course now Beta 4, uh, It's come both have come this week, to both developers and public testers of its mobile device platform. Uh, we mentioned it on the last week, last week's show that the main feature of iOS 11.2 was the addition of Apple Pay Cash, allowing iPhone owners to send cash directly from one another, to one another using the messaging application. Uh, the update now also adds a warning screen explaining to end users the difference between disabling Bluetooth and Wi-Fi via the control center versus doing the same thing from the settings menu. The former puts the radios to sleep, the latter turning them off entirely. Also new to the update, faster wireless charging. So uh, right now in iOS 11, uh, you get wireless charging at a maximum of 5 watts. The update will allow 7.5 watt Qi charging. Uh, The benefits of wireless inductive charging are more to do with the convenience, though, than speed. So if you want to charge as quickly as possible, get a lightning cable with a 29-watt USB-C power adapter, and that'll give you your fastest speeds. But even a 10- or 12-watt iPad charger will speed up your charging times dramatically. This is actually a really interesting point uh, in in the whole wireless charging world, and that, um, at at least now with uh, this iteration that Apple has put out there, um, you know, the fast charging, uh, I'll just say, world, they're starting to catch up with it, but it's not fast charging over wireless. And uh, I've been using a 29-watt USB-C charger with my iPad Pro uh, for the last six months. It works fantastic. Um, it's one of the things that I, I really uh, definitely like about it is that I can just plug it in and I get, um, you know, it's a, I think it's like a percentage uh, every 45 seconds uh, or something like that to charge. So it, it charges up very quickly. I can get the whole thing charged in about an hour. Uh, and so ultimately, 
if you want to do that on your phone, you want to grab one of these faster chargers. And the, the point is, um, even if you just go grab an iPad charger, your, your speed is, is dramatically faster. You don't need to go all the way up to the 29 watt charger, but, uh, that will definitely give you the fastest speeds possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's convenience for wireless. Uh, you know, they obviously have more, uh, capability with wireless to go, but they're still, um, you know, slowly working their way up, uh, you know, up in capability, heat becomes an issue. And of course, just even the coil density becomes an issue because it becomes heavy and thick. Uh, they could, they could obviously, you know, charge as fast as they want, but it wouldn't be, you know, consumer friendly within a, within a really thin cell phone. And, you know, the, the point that I will kind of summarize with this is the, you know, the wireless charging, uh, is something that I I've been using literally every single day. I still have yet to plug in this phone into anything, whether it was headphones or a charger, uh, which is also to say I've yet to have to charge this thing during the day. I'm easily at the end of the day. Uh, you know, 40, 50 plus percent. Most days at 60 plus percent. I went home one day this week at 90% because I literally didn't pull the, did hardly anything on the thing except for a couple of phone calls. So it's amazing just what a bigger battery will do. And of course, a fresh operating system and a fresh battery, you know, and not only that bigger battery that's inside of it. And iOS you know, was really designed for that A11 chip that's in there. And, you know, a lot of users with the 6S are just really struggling, which you were uh, with battery life and making it, you know, not even through the morning. Yeah, exactly. And I've talked to a lot of people. I mean, I was one of the, I went to lunch one day this week with somebody and um, in the middle of lunch, I pulled up my phone and I was doing something on it. And, you know, this had it'd been off the charger since, you know, whatever time it was, 7 a.m. or something. And this was so right around noon, 1230. And uh, I was t telling him about it and, uh, you know, said something. I commented about how great the battery was and said, I'm still at 96%. And it's, look at this, it's a couple minutes afternoon. And he just looks at me and he looks at my, he pulls out his phone and he goes, When we left the office 30 minutes ago, I was at 100%. I'm already at 93%. <laughs> so it's amazing. Those, the, the phones are just, uh, you know, again, that to your point, uh, not optimized for. Um, you know, the software and uh, it just it does dramatic things to the batteries. And, uh, you know, some people call it planned obsolescence, but it's really just it's an operating system that isn't as efficient on old hardware as it is on the new stuff. Finally, today, Apple releasing iOS 11.1.2, the official uh, ver release version for the iPhone and iPad. This update primarily resolved an issue where the iPhone 10 screen might temporarily freeze or become unresponsive after a rapid decrease in temperature. Also addresses an issue that might result in a blurry live photo captured with the iPhone 10. It's a small update, free to download and install over the air. So other Apple news this week, the HomePod was delayed into 2018, which, uh, you know, the ex expectation was it would be available in December, uh, which is, you know, kind of bad news for Apple. Uh, you you kind of wonder how how they couldn't get this thing out, even though they announced it, what was it, way back in June, I mm -hmm. believe. So that's, uh, that's kind of shocking. Gives all their competitors plenty of time to, uh, you know, catch up and, you know, kind of copy their design with higher quality speakers, which you've actually already seen a bunch released even quite a while ago now. It was one of the things that was uh, on my holiday gift list. Uh, I didn't really think that it was like a thing that I would get because it was obviously going to be very expensive. But uh, it was a one of those things that I thought, oh, yeah, that'd be kind of a fun thing to have if someone wanted to, to you know, something techie to get. But not now. It's not going to I think they're going to lose a lot of sales as a result of it because December would have been the time to come out with it. Absolutely. And of course, the same thing happened with HomePods too. They were delayed in shipping as well and uh, announced pretty, uh, you know, pretty far ahead of time. And I, you know, I think kind of Apple should probably go back to the thing. We'll wait for it to be ready, then announce it and ship it, you know, in two to three weeks after you announce it, not, you know, two to three, you know, not six months, eight months, nine months later. 
And the, the tough thing is they're just trying to keep up with these other things that are coming out and trying to find another line of product to be able to sell and, uh, you know, saying, well, it's, you know, we're going to do it better. So it's going to take us some time. And uh, subsequently, people are going to just not going to wait. They're just going to buy what they're going to buy. Um, you know, the air power thing is another, you know, thing. If that's not coming out, you know, for a while, people are going to give up and just go buy wireless chargers and go, yeah, I'll just deal with it and, you know, and not want to spend whatever ridiculous amount it is on there. So, yeah, they've got some work to do on these, uh, on getting these devices out on a, I'll say, a better schedule because it's just, you know, people are a lot more fickle these days and there's a, it's not like it's the only game in town. There's a lot of other great hardware that's out there. Uh, that they've got to compete with. Well, no questions or comments this week, but if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us email to questions at the com or give us a call 650-999-0524 and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at the com.